Good evening, my family. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. Let's lift up our voices tonight. When all I see is a mountain, you see the mountain move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear for I am safe with you. Sing it with me. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you and every Lay at your feet, I sing through the night. The battle belongs to you And if you are for me Who can be against me? For Jesus there's nothing impossible
said to him today, can we release our battles? Can we release our fears? Thank you, Jesus. Good evening, church. Welcome into service. We want to just lift up the name of Jesus together, amen, and celebrate the freedom that we have because of what he has done for you and what he has done for me. And that was the gift of our salvation and our redemption because of that beautiful, beautiful, wonderful cross, amen. Once a sign of shame, but now it's a sign of our freedom. So tonight, church, as we come together, we say, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of salvation, Lord. Thank you for the gift of redemption, Jesus. <sighs> Let's sing this song together, church. It's a brand new song that we're introducing to you guys. Come on, we sing it. I wouldn't be whole. I wouldn't be desperate without your love. Slave to the darkness if it wasn't for the cross. You have won with your kindness. Chase me down when I
church we just take a moment we all have our own cross the word tells us to pick up our cross daily but there's that one cross that paid it all for us it was a cross but it was the blood that was shed on that cross and Lord we thank you for the blood that was shed on that cross. The wonderful works, Lord, that you have done. Let's sing about it today. Come on, sing it.
saturate you in the blood of Christ that the healing power of Jesus the delivering power of Jesus the transforming power of Jesus the reconciling power of Jesus 
might embrace you. That it'll hold us and carry us. Father, you know the week we've had. It's only Wednesday and it seems like we've had Monday three days in a row. God, help us. Minister to us, Lord. People came in here tonight because they want refreshment. They want to be filled up again. And God, thank you for this worship that is filling us up. Thank you for the truth of the songs that's reminding us of the truth of the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Christ. The blood of the Lamb. Thank you for the cross. A cross of shame became a cross of hope. Thank you, Lord. Father, our city is still grieving over young Victoria Martin. Seems like true justice hasn't even been served with all those involved. And they say there's still some guy out there. I just pray that, Lord, you would bring everyone that's in darkness to expose them so that there could be healing. That the family in this city and this state can heal from that gruesome death. Father God, thank you for touching lives. Teachers went back to work this week. APS workers went back to work. God, they're preparing for a new year and students start in seven days from now, Lord. And some of the kids are super excited and some are nervous. They're scared of what might wait for them. I pray, first of all, an overwhelming peace, the peace of God over all staff and teachers and support staff and all the students and parents. And that, Lord, you protect our campuses all across New Mexico and across the U.S. Father God, let this be an amazing year of learning and growing and a really good year for the seniors to enjoy the last year in high school before they go to higher education. So God, there's so many other things on our heart. But God, I just pray that you be with the person to my right or left or in front of me, behind me, that Lord, you meet their need. In Jesus Christ's name and God's people said, amen. Amen. Sing it out again about the power of the cross. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Just lift up your voice and praise once again, would you? Thank you, Lord, and worship you and just celebrate your presence. Hey, would you turn to your neighbor and tell them how much you are glad that you they are here tonight? Say, man, I'm glad you made it tonight.
And then you may be seated. There's always a lot of things happening at New Beginnings. And uh, I want to let you know that this Saturday, there's two events that I really want you to participate in. Ladies, I want you to attend the sisterhood meeting. It's going to be here at New Beginnings. It's going to be at 10 o'clock. It's bring your own brunch treat. Uh, So bring something that you want to share. They put a big old buffet and they have, it's really funny. When men's breakfast have, we cook it here. We lay out the food, nothing fancy, just there's the food. And the guys come through like, like just cows. (laughs) We eat everything up. We don't leave anything. The ladies put all these decorations and they put these beautiful plates out and they go through and eat everything. (laughs) But I really hope you can make it, ladies. It's at 10 o'clock Saturday morning. The other event happening Saturday, for those of you that aren't going to be at the sisterhood, guys, I really want to invite as many, as many, as many of you that can come out this Saturday from 9 a.m., We are not going to go past 12 noon, but from 9 to 11-ish, 12 at the latest, we're going to do what's called pray and go. We've got some really awesome flyers that we printed up. We're going to go house to house. We're going to send you in teams of two. We're going to drop you off at one end of the street. We're going to drop you off at the other end of the street. You're going to be going facing each other till you guys meet up, and that way we know every house has been prayed for. And you're just going to pray. You're not going to go knocking on doors. You're going to be on the sidewalk, and you're going to stop in front of a house and just pray for the people in that room, in that house, for the family, for the blessing of God, for peace, love, and grace, and on and on and on. And then you're going to put the door hanger on their, their house saying, New Beginnings Church prayed for you and prays for our community. And it tells a little bit about our church. So I really hope and pray you could join us. So we're going to meet here at 9 o'clock. We're going to go over a little bit of stuff, and then you're going to hit the road, and we're going to take you. We're going to go and hit a certain area of town not far from here. So we're going to start in the immediate neighborhood so our neighbors will know that our church cares about our neighborhood and cares about them. Amen? So I really, really hope that you will be there. There's a lot of other activities that you need to look at. Uh, there's really neat stuff coming up. The, it's already open for registration for the men's group. Put a $70 deposit. That's all I'm asking you for, $70. It's going to be an amazing, amazing outreach. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Go to our webpage, our website, nbcabq.com, or go to our church app, And you can see all the different activities taking place. But there's a lot of really fun things up in the very near future coming up. And we hope you're going to be a part of that. Now, uh, I want to let you know of an amazing task that someone in our congregation has reached. Uh, And it's always an honor to be able to tell our congregation of people that have achieved 
certain awards, certain things in their life. And, and it's exciting to be able to partner with them and to see what God is doing. And there's a lot of ministries that we partner with, uh, a lot of ministries we support outside of our church. So I really want to make sure that you continue to support this ministry with your tithes and offerings. On the screen behind me is how you can give. At every doorway, we have a drop-off box where you could drop your tithe and offering. You could also text to give. You could also go to the website, and you can give. And thank you for your faithfulness. I want you to know that me and my wife give. And we give a lot of money here, and we also give to the building fund because we want to continue to see God use this ministry in a very powerful and unique way. And uh, so on the screen, I, I think they already showed it on how you can give. And please, thank you again for all of you online. Thank you for partnering with us and continuing to give. Are, are we ready back there? I want to just say that um, recently um, a minister from our congregation and one of the co-directors of Frontline Resurrection Ministry, that's Renee Myas, was awarded a national award. Would you make your way up, Renee? Tomas, would you escort your wife? Renee, we're so incredibly proud of you. This girl has just achieved so much. She's gone through a lot, but she was recently given an award. It's a national award. They only give to five women a year. And it's called the Esther Holderby Award. And it's for excellence in healthcare promotion in communities. The award is up on the screen right now. You can see the beautiful awards you got. Renee, just tell us some of the things that they recognized you for. Come and stand over here where the light is. Sure. So, can you hear me? No, I don't know if it's on. It's The green light's on, so. Yeah. Amen. There we go. There we go. So, you know, it's amazing because, you know, the world is recognizing me, you know, in advocacy and all of these amazing things. And it came as like a surprise because, you know, I wasn't looking to get, you know, a national award. But when I got it, I had to sit back and then I looked it up and I studied what it was because I wasn't sure. I've been in prison all my life, so... Um, and I thought, wow, you know, it's really cool. You know, um, it was a woman who, who, uh, was a community health worker and she beat cancer, but she did all kinds of advocacy for cancer. And, um, you don't have to be like particularly doing outreach and advocacy and cancer. But for me, you know, I was nominated through our, you know, through our, um, Office of Community Health Workers here in New Mexico. And I guess, you know, they have a national, th- uh, a national board and, and they voted and I won. And I was like, bah. <laughs> <laughs> so. And so what's amazing is this, guys, is that, you know, um, you know, I bowed my knee and I called on the Lord in a cell because my life was shattered. My husband was wayward. My children were scattered. I was facing this time and you know, I knew that I needed a rescue mission. And so when I called on his name, I came into covenant. You know, they call it a contract position. But I have a contract position with the Lord of glory, strong and mighty. 
And ever since I came into covenant, into a contract with the Lord of glory, he has allowed me in the most phenomenal spaces. And I'm able, what's the best part is I'm able to share Christ in these spaces and see when they see me, they think, oh, how amazing. And then I'm like, no, it's Christ that's amazing. And so it's, it's important that, you know, that, that Christ be recognized because it's under his covenant that I accept this award nationally and I'm equipped and empowered to go in and share the love of Christ in all the spaces that he's Amen. placed me Amen. in. Amen. You know what? I, I told Renee the other day of just how God keeps affirming her calling. And Renee has sat with homeless people literally on the sidewalk talking to them, ministering to them. And he is, she has sat at the table with the mayor, the governor, and other dignitaries. And she's able to just interact with all of them. And I said, and the reason you do that, sis, is because you sit with the king of glory every day. So, Father, thank you for Renee. Thank you for her calling and that she has said yes. Thank you for Tomas that supports her and uplifts her and stands behind her and frees her to just soar into the ministries you've called her in. Continue to bless their lives and their marriage, the ministry of Frontline Resurrection Ministries, and everything else she's involved in. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. We love you, sis. Love you, God bless you. Amen. Isn't that awesome? At this time, the youth are going to be dismissed. And uh, they're going off to, to just celebrate Jesus at their level of learning and sharing in their language and their culture. But we love having them with us for worship and praise. Thank you for encouraging your children to be a part of ministry here at New Beginnings and with uh, our minister, youth minister, David Sanchez and his team. <coughs> uh, guys, the last week we started a new ministry a series called Jesus the Storyteller. Jesus had an amazing gift of gathering. Jesus had a way of just having an openness where people gravitated towards him. They came to him and they embraced him. They would seek him out. And they sought him out from young to old. You need to understand that old people and elders and leaders and, and even ministers followed him. And some of them had to do it by nighttime because if they saw the Pharisees talking to Jesus or one of the religious leaders and talking to him on a one-to-one, they were like, what are you doing with him? Nicodemus was one of those guys, and there's others, but you also saw the children that gravitated towards Jesus, that ran to Jesus and would gather around him. And he would minister to them, and he said, don't keep the children from me. Let them come for theirs is the kingdom of God. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you got to be like a child, and, and he would share these things and talk about these things. And he wanted us to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord like he did, as it talks about in his early years of life. 
And tonight, what I want to talk about is a story Jesus was talking about and telling concerning growing in good soil. In the passage of Luke chapter 8, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 4 through 15. And it says, one day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable. A parable is a story that had spiritual significance, and it was a story that led you to exactly where Jesus wanted you to be and understanding. So one day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. He says, a farmer went out to plant his seed. And as he scattered it along his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath where it was stepped on and birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell along the thorns that grew up and with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as it had been planted. When he had said this, he called out. Now he's calling out and he's going, anyone, now hear me, he's saying, anyone who hears, with ears to hear, should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he replied, you know what? You're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When it says, when they look, they won't really see, and when they hear, they won't understand. And this is the meaning of the parable. Because see, even though they hear, and sometimes in here, people hear, those walking online hear, but they, they, they just don't get it. They see and they just don't understand. So he said, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. And the seeds that fell on the pathway represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. How many people like that do we know? Then it says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, hear that, they don't have deep roots. You need to get rooted and grounded. You can't be jumping all over the place. When they have deep roots, they, they, because they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while. Then they fall away when they face temptation. How many people like that do we know? Then it says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil, good soil that's been cultivated, that's been worked on, that you've allowed the Holy Spirit to start gleaning in your life. And that good soil, it represents 
honest and good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Lord Jesus, minister to us. Help us to get it. Help us to receive it. Help us to let it take deep root. Let us cultivate a good soil in our heart, mind, and soul to receive the word of the Lord. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. So what I wanna talk about tonight is some things to grow in good soil. And if we're gonna grow in good soil, the first thing we must do is realize that the bad soil wants to destroy your seed. Bad soil wants to destroy your seed. You see, God's word is perfect. The seed is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is incorruptible. The seed is infallible. The seed is alive. The seed is God's word that literally fills our hearts, fills our minds, overwhelms us with his goodness, overwhelms us with his mercy, overwhelms us with his presence, and we say, thank you, Lord. But there's a, 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 a soil that we wrestle with, a soil that each one of us has experienced, and some of us still are. It's a soil that says, part of it is the pathway. It's a hardened soil. It's a soil that the devil messes with you, that the minute the word of God comes up, and it starts going into your ear, and it starts going into your heart, boom, he nabs it out of you. And sometimes it's because you're distracted, sometimes because you're just defiant, sometimes because you just don't want to hear it. But man, some of us wrestle with that at times. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you something, you're like, no, but I don't want to listen. I want to be disobedient today. I got in a fight, and I want to stay mad. I don't want to reconcile. I want to be ugly. I was ugly, and I'm going to be even uglier, so get out of my face. There's a bitterness and there's a a rebellion that takes place at times. And God is saying, I love you and I want to minister to you and I want to help you. But that evil soil, that destructive soil, that bad soil that you still might have some pieces of in your life are trying to choke it out. It's trying to kill and destroy the seed. Some of us are dealing not only with the, the past the footpath soil, but some are dealing with rocky soil because you have the seed of God, but you've cultivated most of it out, but there's still a few rocks in there and the seed starts growing there, but it's so shallow and you don't have moisture, you don't have the nutrients, you don't have the word, you don't have the time that you've spent and like you should and that seed that starts growing withers away. And you wrestle with it because that bad soil is still left in you. That bad soil that you haven't allowed to cleanse. That bad soil that you haven't allowed to completely just be tenderized. is choking things out. And then not only is there the rocky soil, but then you have the soil that literally has never matured. A soil that has, has, does not allow, it's, it's the thorns the thorny soil. There's so many thorns that the minute it, it takes roots, but the minute it's around all those other thorns and, and it's around all those other weeds, they start choking out 
the seed in you. It starts choking out the promise in you. It starts choking out the word in you. And before you know it, you're drifting, you're pulling away, and you feel like, you know what, I, I don't have to really do that. I don't really have to. My gosh, people are, oh, you ought to read the word every day. Oh, my gosh, a couple days off is not, not, it, it's not going to kill me. Let me tell you something. It's a slow death. I mean, you might not die immediately, but let me tell you something. You start having malnutrition, spiritual malnutrition, because you're not feeding your soul, and you're starting to wither, and you don't even realize that. And before you know it, you really are fading. Back in the late 70s, there was a song that said, Slip sliding away. Slip sliding away. Some of you remember that song. And that's how we are. We're there, but you have this thorny soil still wrapped around that you haven't cleaned out. And you haven't let the gardener, the Lord, go in there and gut it out of your life and, and completely weed it out of your life. And man, before you know it, you're slipping and sliding and you're getting further and further. And before you know it, you don't even know where you are. I've shared the story before, but... One time I was in the Cayman Islands, and I was teaching out there. I had been there for about seven days teaching. And all of a sudden, 9-11 happened, and Cindy and my daughter, Ashley, were supposed to go join me. But because of 9-11, they weren't letting any flights or ships or anything out of the island, and they weren't letting anything in the island. So Cindy and Ashley couldn't go visit me, and I'm stranded on the island. And this guy from that church I was preaching at, the convention I was at, owned a, a tour boat, and he goes, man, there's no tourists. He goes, but you're a tourist. Why don't you let me take you out? And they took me out on, on, on the ocean, and I was with the, the stingray, and I was swimming with stingray, holding them. They showed me how to, I had a big old stingray holding it, and it was really cool. But I went snorkeling, and I, I've gone snorkeling before, and I enjoy it. So I'm set up, and they put the big fins on your feet, and I jump in, and I'm, I'm just, and they had all kinds of coral reefs. So I'm there cruising and having a really fun time, enjoying everything. And man, next thing you know, I come up out of the water, and I don't see the boat anymore. And I'm telling you, man, for a split second, I was like, oh, I'm in the middle of the ocean. Oh, they're going to think I'm a whale. Oh, they're going to harpoon me and kill me. You know? Okay, maybe I didn't think that part, but, but I jumped out of the water and I couldn't see. So now I'm like, okay. So I had the big old flippers on and I, I kicked my legs a lot and float up. And I'm looking, and finally I see the boat, and it's like far, far from where I'm at. It's like from here to Del Norte High School. And I'm like, holy cow, I didn't know I had gone so far. So, man, I'm going back to the boat because I had really drifted. Sometimes you miss church one day, then another, then another. You miss reading the word one day, then another, then another. And before you know it, you're as far from here to Del Norte. Yeah. And sometimes you're even further. And sometimes you're so far, you don't even know how to get back. I don't even know how to go back anymore. And if I go back, then they're going to say, where have you been? And, and embarrass me. And look, First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Stay alert. Wake up. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He's saying, watch out for him. 
He prowled around like a roaring lion looking for someone to chew up and spit out, to devour, to eat you up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Don't be fooled for those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. And some of you have good seed in you, but you're hanging around with the wrong soil. And their soil is going to choke you out. It's going to drift you apart. It's going to tempt you. You're going to fall. And before you know it, you're wondering what happened. Now, the second thing we need to see out of this passage It says, to grow in good soil, we've got to overcome and don't be overcome. So you got to overcome and don't be overcome. You got to make sure that you stay victorious. You got to remember that you and I are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. He talks about that in 1 Corinthians. He says, you are more than a conqueror. I mean, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 37, he says, you're more than a conqueror. That means more than a conqueror. That means there's people that conquer, and you're even more than them. And you know why he's saying you're even more than a conqueror? Because the devil is a conqueror. The devil will take you down. The devil can really come against you, but you are more than a conqueror. You're more powerful than the devil. You're more equipped than the devil. So rise up, O man of God. Rise up, O woman of God. Take the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, and in the name of Jesus, cut his head off. Take your stance. Take your soil. Take your ground. Because you are an overcomer. Some of you sometimes are ready to give up. I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. I can't do this anymore. I'm ready to quit. I can't do this anymore. And I say in the name of Jesus. Let the spirit of the living God rise up within you. And give you victory. And show you the promise. And show you the light. And show you the finish line. Because you're almost there baby. You just got to keep running the race. And run the race in such a way as to win. And so Paul says, not that I have it all. He's talking about this in Philippians chapter 3 verse 13. He says, not that I have it all. But this one thing I do, I forget what lies behind me. You got to get past the past. You got to overcome the thing that tried to overcome you. And in the name of Jesus, rise up and put your head, your foot on the devil's neck and take out your sword and cut his head off. Because in Romans chapter 16, verse 20, he says, he will give you Satan's head under your feet. Because he already has him under his feet. But he's trying to let you know, I could give you that victory too. I could help you also. I could really equip you and I'm going to help you. Because let me tell you something. In the Gospel of John, Jesus was very straightforward. He told us exactly what to expect. He's saying, listen to me. And in John 16, verse 33, this is what he says. And he's talking to the disciples. These are some of the last words before he takes the cross. I've told you all of this. I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. I want you to have peace. Because here on earth, 
You're going to have many trials. You're going to have many trials. You're going to have many sorrows. You're going to have many setbacks. You're going to have many attacks. You're going to have many wars. You're going to have many battles. You're going to have many problems. You're going to have many hard people. You're going to have many ignorant people that you've got to deal with. You've got to deal with people that are playing out stupid sometimes. And in this world, you're going to have to deal with them. But he says, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. Because all those problems and all those enemies and all those setbacks and all those things that are going to come against you, in the name of Jesus, he's saying, I've already taken care of it. So you go in there and go. Some kids sometimes are afraid to go to school because something happened and parents go, it's okay, baby. I already took care of it. I already took care of it. So you go and I'm going to be right behind you. And so when you stand behind them, that kid's standing taller. Because that kid is like, hey, my daddy's with me. My mama's with me. And nobody wishes with mama. Daddy doesn't even mess with mama. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest, man. But I'm serious. And your children look at you as this superhuman strength person. My kids used to always say, Dad, you're even stronger than the Hulk, huh? He was a wrestler back in my day. And I go, yes, I am. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> but see, that's how they saw me. And that's how they see you. And that's how we need to see our Heavenly Father. Because Jesus Christ is our big brother. And our big brother has our back. He says, I've already dealt with the world. I've already taken care of that world. So overcome, don't be overcome because we're more than overcomers and we're going to win the battle and we're going to do good. So don't let that sour soil, that bad soil, that stinky soil, that destructive soil to choke out your seed because I'm telling you, I've already given you victory. You need to claim that victory. You need to hold on to that victory. You need to embrace that victory. You need to walk in that victory. And you need to make sure that you're filled filled with the power of that victory. Because that's what you need to draw from. And sometimes it's important that we look back at our victory. King David, he walked around with the head of Goliath for a few days. Can you imagine Man, that must have been stinky. Can you imagine all the flies and the maggots that had already grown there? I mean, let's be real. But he's walking around going, that's right, that's right. I took this dude down. That's right. The Lord gave me the strength and I shot my rock and hit it right between the head and the eyes. He went down and I went up there and got his own sword and I chopped off his head. This, Look, you don't believe it? Here it is. You think I'm exaggerating? Here it is. And you know what he did with the sword? He took it home. And he wrapped it up and put it away. And later on in his ministry, when he now was king, and he was going through a challenging time, his own son Absalom has raised up an army against him. And King David was kind of bummed out. You know what he said? Hey, what's wrong with me? Somebody go get my sword. The sword I killed the, the Goliath with, with his own sword. 
And they went and got it, and he unwrapped it. And man, he was like, oh yeah, I got it back. Yeah, baby, I can do it. Yeah, I did it once, and I'm going to do it again. So listen to me. You are an overcomer through the blood of Jesus. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. You're an overcomer. Romans 8, 37. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Third thing I want to bring out from this passage. To grow in good soil, you have to realize that there is little difference between disobedience and distractions. Disobedience and distractions. Now look, disobedience is straight out. No, I'm not going to do it. And the Lord's saying, do it. No, I'm not going to do it. Go do it. I'm not going to do it. He says, go apologize. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, let them come to me. But I'm not going to go to them. And he says, I want you to apologize. No, no, no. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Then all of a sudden, let's say you finally go, man, Lord, I really messed up on that deal, didn't I? I need to apologize, don't I? And he goes, yes. He goes, Lord, forgive me. Good, I have. But now go apologize. And you go, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. Here I go. And all of a sudden, you start out to apologize. And as you're on your way, you get distracted by something. And next thing you know, you're over here. And then you're over here. And you never get to do what you knew in your heart you were supposed to do. And you had even said in your heart you were going to do. But because you didn't purpose it in your heart, you didn't do it. So being disobedient, being distracted, had the same outcome. You didn't do what God wanted you to do. And some of you aren't straight out disobedient, but you are so distracted, you're not staying focused, and you lose your focus. That's why I constantly tell people, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused, stay on track, stay on track, because Especially when there's somebody like me that you're ADHD. So attention deficit hyper disorder. So you're all, yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't know why I'm like that. But I'm the guy that will go, yeah, yeah, we need to talk. And all of a sudden you go, yeah. And then, oh, that is so cool. What that is? Where'd you get that? That is so neat. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, and what was I saying? And then, oh yeah, and and you just get distracted. And you want to stay on course, but you lose your focus and you lose your train of thought and you lose your track. And before you know it, you're on the wrong track and you're messing up and you get disqualified. Oh, that we would never be disqualified from crossing the finish line into heaven. Oh, that he wouldn't say, sorry, I don't even know you. Because he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. See, there's some people that are, yeah, 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 but you get distracted, and next thing you know, you're over here, and you're supposed to be over here. That's like me out in the middle of the ocean, and I'm there swimming, think, I know where I'm at, and I didn't have a clue. Oh, I was in the water, but I didn't know where home base was. 
I didn't know, if you would, where the Lord was because I had drifted so far. And that boat represented the Lord. And I really had to seek him again. And once I found him, I had to pull myself together to get back to where I was, had gone drifted from. And some of you have finally realized that you've drifted, but you're not doing anything to get back on track and work your way back because you keep getting distracted. So it's not because you're rebellious and it's not because you're anti-God, but you're not doing what God is calling you to do because you get distracted and there's not a whole lot of difference. Look at the book of Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. John the Revelator writes, and he's writing dictation from God. And God says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me. Or he says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. He says, look how far you have fallen. Look how far you have drifted. Look how far you are from me. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove my lampstand from you, its place among the churches. Don't you get it? You are drifting so far away, and you finally, I'm telling you, and you're just sitting there going, well, I don't know, I'm, I'm, they probably don't even want me back, and the Lord probably doesn't want me back. He can't forgive me for what I did. Let me tell you the only unforgivable sin. The only unforgivable sin is the unconfessed sin. Because if you don't confess it, he can't forgive it. But if you confess it, he says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness in First John chapter 1, verse 9. He will forgive you. But you need to get back to where you once were. Look what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Paul says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. He's saying, run from them, Timothy. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And then he goes on to say, he goes, fight the good fight. The good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. He's saying, hold on to your eternity. Hold on to your soul. Hold on to it. Because there's some people that have truly walked away from the faith. And they say, well, you know what? Once I'm saved, I'm saved forever. The Bible says that you can forfeit your faith. Meaning, you could say, you know what, God? I know what I'm doing. I'm walking away from you. I don't want any part of it. And I'm out of here. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. But that's straight up apostasy. And some people surrender their salvation because they'd rather be their own judge and their own guide and their own king and turn completely away from God. Father, forgive us if we would ever think like that, that we would even entertain that thought. Because he's saying, here, hold on to it. Fight the good fight for the truth 
true faith, and he says, hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Don't let it go. Don't walk away. Don't surrender it. Don't give up. Keep going. In Jesus' name, rise up and keep going. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a large crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. So he's saying, get rid of the things that slow you down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Every one of us know that sin that trips us up. You know the sin that trips you up. I know the sin that trips me up. The one that you're going and you're going strong and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, how did that, where did that come from? I, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I fell for such something so dumb. And let us run with endurance. We need to run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated at the place of honor besides God's throne. So Jesus paid it on the cross. That's why that sang we, the song we sang tonight was so powerful. Man, thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us on that cross, that he took our sin, he took our shame, and he gave us victory. So I want to look at the last thing we've got to do. If we want good soil, if you want to grow in good soil, you've got to realize what goes in must come out. What goes into your life, what you pour into your life is going to come out. So if you're constantly injecting horrible language around you and you end up taking it in and you start using horrible language, it just comes out more and more and more. I'm convinced, and I've said this a lot of times, but there's people that cuss, but because they're not mad and they're not cussing you out, but they're saying cuss words, in their mind, they're not cussing. And sometimes I tell people, hey, can you please watch your language? And they go, what the blank are you saying, Pastor? And I go, well, right there, you said it again. Pastor, you are blanking my mind. And I'm going, there you go again. You just said this. I didn't blankety-blank say that. And I go, yes, you just did it again. But because they're not mad, when they're mad, they want to blankety-blank you. So they're mad and they're going, you blankety-blank, and I mean to say blankety-blank because I'm blankety-blanking you right now. But because their everyday language is using blankety-blank, they're not mad, so they don't think they're cussing at all. It's just become a part of them. And they're blankety-blanking this and blankety-blanking that. And man, I'm like, what's wrong with you? There's life and death in the tongue. We speak hope or or despair. We speak promise or, or, or total disaster. We need to speak up and offer life and offer greatness and offer hope. In John chapter 15, verse 8, he says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy to my father. 
He's saying, I want you to produce fruit, but I want you to do it because let me tell you something, that which has gone in needs to go out. That's why we say reach up, reach in and reach out here at New Beginnings. Reach up to the Lord to get a hold of him and the goodness and riches that he has for us. Reach in as you bring it into your life and you share it with those around us in church. And then we reach out to the lost and dying and the lost and dying city that we live in and we reach out to minister to them because we want to produce more and more fruit. But you've got to be careful. You have to look at your life and you really have to say, you know what, what I'm taking in is going to come out. I pray that I'm bringing out fruit and I'm bringing out promise and I'm bringing out hope and I'm doing it to the glory of God and I'm doing it the right way and I'm really sharing it forth and I'm doing it in such a manner that we need to do it to the glory of God. And so it's important that we do that. Look what he says in the, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's trying to say right here, let me tell you something. If you take in the Holy Spirit, it's gonna come out of your life. If you get filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what's gonna be seen. If you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm not looking for tongues. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he goes, if anyone can speak in tongues, it's me. But you know what? All you are is a clanging symbol if you don't show love, faith, and hope. If you don't have those things, all you are is, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. But you know what? Paul says, I don't want to look at you. I want to look at the cross. I want to look at Jesus Christ in you. I want to see love, faith, and hope. And the greatest of these is love. And he says, don't you get it? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. It produces love. Real genuine love. That you have love for the lost. You have love for the broken. You have love for the rich. You have love for the poor. You have love for the educated and the educated, uneducated alike. You have love for people. And you want to show the love of Christ. And the love of Christ exudes from your life because you have been filled with the spirit of the living God. And he said, you have joy. That doesn't just mean happiness. That means joy. That means even when I'm going through the worst time of my life, my God is with me. And if nothing else encourages you, it ought to be that. Thank you, God, that you're with me. Thank you, God, that I don't have to face this alone. Thank you, God, that you're my encourager. You're my strength and my hope. He says you'll have peace. Peace. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The peace that guards your heart, mind, and soul in Christ Jesus. The peace that strengthens you and encourages you. The peace that empowers you. A peace that takes you through the storm. So that when you're in the middle of the storm, he says, peace, silence, peace be with you. And you go, it is, thank you, Lord. And it produces patience. Oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit teaches us patience. I used to be one of the most impatient men in the world. When Cindy told me the first time, God, Richard, you are the most patient man I know. I really mean it. I started laughing, and then I thought she was making fun of me or something. And she goes, why are you laughing? I go, Cindy, are you being serious right now? She goes, yes. My gosh, you are so patient. You you your world for people around you. You you stay with those people that are hurting and broken and man, you just and I'm like, I thought you were teasing me and making fun of me because you've never told me that before. And she goes, I've never seen you function like this. The Lord has changed you so much. 
And then we have kindness. All of us know what kindness is. We don't need lessons on kindness. But the Holy Spirit gives you the strength to share it. Because sometimes we don't want to share it because we're hurt, we're mad, we're upset. So we don't want to be kind. And the Holy Spirit's going, come on, be kind to him. I don't want to be kind to him. You know, that's my husband. You saw what he did. That's my wife. You know how she is. Those are my parents. Those are my kids. And on and on and on. And he says, and when you have the Holy Spirit, you have goodness. A true, genuine goodness. Because the Bible says, there's no one that's good except God. But when you have God in you, and God exudes from you, goodness is seen. And people go, God, you're really a good man. You're really a good woman. And you're going inside. (laughs) I know I'm not, but my God sure is. Thank you, Jesus, that they see God in my life right now. Because they're bringing glory to you, not to me. And you have faithfulness. You start being there where you need to be there. You start showing up when you need to show up. You start being faithful to God, the people, and even unto yourself. And then you have a gentleness about you. You're not mean and rude and crude anymore. You handle things differently. And then you have self-control. You're not running off and doing stupid things anymore. You're not chasing the wind and going after all kinds of little things that seem to turn you on. You have self-control. And he says, there's no law against these things. (laughs) You see, there's no law that can stop that. No law that can keep that. There's no law that can make it stop. And that's what we need. We need to be in good soil. And I'm here to tell you that the devil wants to choke you out. The devil wants to set you back. The devil wants you to stop riding your tracks and not be able to advance. And he wants to keep you from achieving what God wants to achieve in your life because he wants to keep telling you you're not worthy. And he already told us that. He says our righteousness isn't worthy. We're not worthy. But when we have the blood of Jesus, (laughs) praise you, Jesus, we are worthy. Because worthy is the lamb. So my question to us today is this. What has God revealed to you about your soil? Are you in good soil? Are you walking where you need to walk? Are you associating with some people that have bad soil and you're Good soil is being contaminated instead of you pouring your good soil into them and helping them cultivate their ground. They're contaminating yours with garbage. And they're pouring garbage into your life and they're hurting you and keeping you from advancing. And so God is saying, I really want to help you. I really want to help you get to where you need to be because you keep being distracted. You're matured enough that you're not disobedient like you used to be. And some people are still disobedient. But mainly we're being distracted and we get off course from where God wants us. And God says, I want you and I have you and I need you and I want to bring greatness from you. But the devil reminds us of what happened that morning. When you got bugged and you got kind of ugly with your kids and he wants to remind you how you got ugly with your husband or wife or your parents 
or he wants to remind you of this and that and then you get discouraged and you get start beating yourself and he says listen to me quit being distracted because I have an anointing for you and start taking in the spirit of God because what comes in is going to come out and I want you to come out full force for Jesus Christ so tonight I want you to examine your life and I want to see if you're in that good soil. And if you've never allowed the Holy Spirit to bring life to you and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and you want to receive Christ tonight and you've never prayed to do that, raise your hand. Say, you know what? That's me. Is there anyone here tonight that's never received Christ that wants to? Well, then I'm going to say, praise the Lord. That means we all got Jesus. Because I don't know why you would reject him. So then I want to pray for us. Just us as a people. If you need prayer, if you've been going through challenging things. Maybe your family is. Maybe your loved ones are. Jeanette Malachik told me that her son had to have emergency surgery on his foot. And they thought they were going to amputate. And thank God they haven't yet. But he's not out of the woods. She's been carrying that burden. Some of you might be carrying a burden for someone. It might just be for you, but I encourage you right now, if you want prayer, to come on up and release your burden right here. Say, God, I don't want to leave here with it. I came here with it, and I was hoping something would take place. This is your moment. So I encourage you to come up. But let's stand, and let's seek God, and let's thank him for what he's done. And just say, I really need God to intercede in my life. I really need to release. I need a release of God's power. I need a release of God's love and mercy. I need a release. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for how you do it. Lord, right now, where each one of us are standing at the altar, and God... You know everything we've been dealing with. And I encourage you to do this. You don't have to, but if you want to do this, put your hands out in front of you like this. And say, God, this is everything I'm dealing with. Some is personal sin. I've allowed some unhealthy soil in my life. And I'm allowing some things in my life that are destroying my character. And they're destroying my relationship. And God, there's people in my life that really need an intervention from your Holy Spirit. So God, I give them over to you. So just raise up your hand and give them to the Lord. And then put palm down and you've released it. And thank you, Lord, for all you've done and all you're doing. We ask your blessing over us as we leave this place, but not your presence. And we pray in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. I love you. We'll see you Saturday morning for Pray and Go. Write it in your calendar, 9 a.m. Sisterhood, 10 a.m. this Saturday. God bless you, church. You're dismissed to change Albuquerque.